From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. This week, Jim and I revisit our celebration of radio. We're going to share how the medium has shaped our musical tastes and share some of our favorite radio-themed tracks. Plus, we'll review new music from English soul artist Michael Kiwanuka. Solid ground. And we'll hear how a gang of four song got the coat hanger singer hooked on Sonics. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with my partner, Jim DeRogatis. And this week, we're going to share some of our favorite tracks about the power of radio. That's later in the show. But first, we've got some new music to review. I lived a lie, love is the crime, it's who I believe in. No need to play myself, no need to die, I'm only human. I'm done, you got to put me on, I know what you come along. Don't hesitate, time heals the pain, you ain't the problem. That is You Ain't the Problem from the third studio album from the artist named Michael Kiwanuka. Michael Kiwanuka, a British singer-songwriter of Ugandan heritage, his 2012 debut album got immediately noticed as Here's an Up-and-Comer. Home Again was the Mm -hmm. name of the record. Went gold in the United Kingdom. uh, Got a lot of accolades as kind of a a new take on folk soul. Some of people were even comparing him to 70s artists like Terry Collier. And in some ways, he uh, he did pave the way for artists like Leon Bridges to have success uh, with that record. 2016... You talk about, it wasn't exactly a left turn, Jim, but love and hate really just blew open the borders of how we perceive Kiwanuka and his career. Initially in this sort of retro pocket, this collaboration with Brian Danger Mouse Burton took him out of that retro pocket and into a way more expansive sound. Debuted at number one uh, back in the UK. Still isn't as widely known in this country, but that could change with this new record, uh, self-titled Kiwanuka. We're going to play a track from it first before we review it. It's called Rolling from the new Michael Kiwanuka album on Sound Opinion. No tears for the was Rolling by Michael Kiwanuka from the third album of his career, titled simply Kiwanuka. He's back, Greg, with Danger Mouse, Brian Burton, as well as the London hip-hop producer Inflow. And this record, again, as the second album was this expansion from the early soulful folk, this record goes somewhere else uh, completely different. It is a, an ambitious song cycle, a dense 
musical pastiche. I'm thinking like Curtis Mayfield backing up Kendrick Lamar, maybe. <laughs> you know, it, it is a truly extraordinary psychedelic soul record. The through line since Kiwanuka has been growing throughout his entire career musically has been this self-doubt. You know, he never fit in, he felt, as a resident of Great Britain, having come from Uganda. And uh, he doesn't fit in this modern world. And he's always asking himself, as he does in that track, Living in Denial, are you really giving up? Mm -hmm. Are you really going to stop right now? doesn't stop. And this album takes us through this evolution, and he's looking at the political situation. I think that track, Hero, which is really a sort of multi-part suite in a mere three minutes and change about Fred Hampton, mm -hmm. the, the, the Black Panthers leader in Chicago, murdered in his bed by police, and the connections that Kiwanuka is seeing between that and the Black Lives Matter moment uh, right now. Please don't shoot me I love you like a father It's on the music game I guess they killed another But always returning to look back in on himself. Do I have anything to say? Does anyone want to listen? And he keeps calling this record in interviews a reaction against this throwaway machine-led world. Mm -hmm. And it is. This is soulful. This is this is human. Uh, this is one of the best albums of the year. It's just blowing me away. Yeah, it's great from the first moment on. The tracks sort of melt into each other, and I like the way that it works as sort of this cohesive whole. And yet the songs each have their own identity. Mm -hmm. It's not like a mood album. I think that would be sort of underselling it, because each of these songs do have a strong hook, a, a melody in them, as well as sort of working together as a whole. You know, Kiwanuka plays uh, most of the guitars in this record in addition to the bass. Yeah. Uh, that funk bass is core to many of these songs. I go, who is the bass player in this record? Well, it's Kiwanuka on a lot of those yeah. tracks. And then he's got those acid rock guitar solos, you know, I mean, very Pink Floyd. In, in, in some of these Hendrix, songs. Hendrix, Ernie Isley at the psychedelic Isley Brothers' best. Absolutely. You know, you're combining these influences from across generations, and then, you know, they're breaking ground on some of these tracks as well. I mean, there's, there, there's a hip-hop influence that I hadn't heard previously on a track like Final Days, you know, kind of yeah. working with that skittering electronic rhythm. Spanning generations of, of black music in particular, the whole notion of time healing pain, the whole idea of overcoming self-doubt, you're absolutely right about that track, Hero, being so central to the album's themes. I won't change my name no matter what they call me. Mm -hmm. That's a huge statement from this guy, because yeah. even Love and Hate was suffused in this, in this self-doubt. I don't fit in. No, and this, no. this, this time he, doesn't, he realized, I don't fit in. But I'm going to rise above it. I am going to, you know, nonetheless assert myself. And if you read his biography, in the early days of his career, they were all saying, you, this name is too strange. Right, You've right. got to change your name if exactly. you want to be heard. Everybody should know this guy's name now, Jim. Michael Kiwanuka. 
said when she was just five years old there was nothing happening at all every time she puts on the radio there was nothing going down at all not at all then one fine morning she puts on a new york station you know she don't believe what she heard That is the Velvet Underground with rock and roll. Greg, one of the best songs in rock history, one of the best songs ever about radio, this notion of this girl in Long Island, you know, stuck in suburban doldrums, turns on the radio and hears these magical sounds from New York City and her life is changed forever. That was my story. Yeah. Growing up in Jersey City, New Jersey, turning on the New York radio station and my life was saved by rock and roll. Got that little transistor radio tucked under your pillow so your parents wouldn't hear you listening to the radio at 2 a.m., you know? Absolutely. Everybody's got that story. We thought it would be good to pay tribute to this medium that we're on, which, you know, must be said, we're really lucky. We play whatever we want. We play what we're excited about and what what we think people shouldn't be listening. I mean, you know, it's a rare in radio these days when it's such a constricted format. Obviously, we love this medium, but it's not just us. We're going to go through some of our choices of the best rock songs ever about radio, paying homage to this magical thing on the airwaves. Greg Cott, you get to go first. You were talking about the magical allure of this medium, Jim, and I can't think of any more magical thing than a great radio station, a great DJ blasting out into the night all over America. That imagery that we got from American Graffiti, for example, with Wolfman Jack broadcasting to what it seemed like an entire city was tuned in to that border radio station that Wolfman Jack was broadcasting from, and he was literally orchestrating the night with the songs that he was playing. Well, people Uh, people think Internet invented the virtual community, (laughs) but all these people all over this town driving, listening at home, were a community because they were tied in with radio. And there was a lot of truth to, to the imagery in that movie because Wolfman Jack was, in fact, broadcasting from a station in Mexico in the 60s. And the reason he was able to be heard, not only in California, where American Graffiti was situated, but all over the United States was because of the powerful broadcasting signals that were emanating from those Mexican stations. There were no restrictions on the wattage on those stations. In the United States, 50,000 watts was the top of the line that you could go in terms of station power. In Mexico, you had stations with five, six, seven, eight times that wattage, and they could be heard all over the 50 states. Yeah. I mean, it was a <laughs> remarkable situation where they were, where a station in Mexico could be heard more clearly, say, in Houston or in Atlanta or Kansas City or Chicago than some of the local stations because of the power of the signal. And in addition, it was not just the power of the signal, but what was being transmitted on that signal. You had these disc jockeys, like Wolfman Jack, were basically able to play anything they wanted without restriction. So you heard everything from mariachi bands to underground soul music to the wildest rockabilly to gospel preachers on these airwaves. And it was a truly magical time for radio, a transformative time. And that time is celebrated by ZZ Top, three guys who know their radio, who knew their border radio, three Texas guys who understood the power of those transmissions from Mexico and how they influenced their musical taste. And they did it in a song called Heard It on the X. All those Mexican stations had call letters that began with the letter X. 
and hence the song Heard It on the X. They heard all this amazing music that they couldn't hear on domestic radio from these Mexican stations and Wolfman Jack in particular. Here's a celebration of that era. Heard It on the X from ZZ Top on Sound Opinions. Heard it on the X from ZZ Top in mid-70s vintage form on Sound Opinions, one of the great songs about radio. Jim, what do you got for us? Well, Greg, you know, listeners may wonder sometimes if we compare notes when we do shows like this. You know, I got a stack of CDs I want to play. You have a stack. We usually don't. We like to surprise each other, and it's just coincidence that we both decided to start in exactly the same place, which is Mexico. Mm -hmm. A different band from a different era, Wall of Voodoo, and their hit single, their only big hit single, Mexican Radio. But it's about the same thing. Stan Ridgway was a child of the punk movement, came up with New Wave, his band Wall of Voodoo, but remembered being a kid and listening to those Mexican AM radio stations, XERE and XEG and XERB, and hearing people like the inimitable Wolfman Jack, a.k.a. Robert Weston Smith. What a character. I mean, I remember being a kid in New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, He ended his career, Wolfman Jack, as a disc jockey in New York, and, you know, he's playing stuff that, that had nothing to do with, with me listening in the late 70s and early 80s. He's playing a lot of oldies by that time. But that, vo- that voice, that voice was amazing. That's Wolfman Jack. You know, and he would howl. It was incredible. It was so magical to listen to that. I think Stan Ridgway appreciated it. I've always loved that 
what an odd idea to combine synthesizer pop and Mexican mariachi music mm -hmm. and Ennio Morricone Western soundtracks and this percussion that sounded as if it was a collection of stuff from the junkyard, which it was. Putting that together with, with digital synthesizers, what an odd idea. And that voice, you know, part Johnny Cash, part Carnival Barker, part alien space dude. You know, who is this guy? <laughs> anyway, same idea. Loving the Mexican radio by Wall of Voodoo on Sound Opinions. I feel a hot wind on my shoulder And the touch of the world that is older I turn the switch and check the number I'll leave it on when and when I slumber I hear the rhythms of the music I buy the product and never use it I hear the talking of the DJ Can't understand just what does he say That is Mexican Radio by Wall of Voodoo, one of Jim DeRogatis' picks for a song about the radio, a very good one indeed. I love that song. When we come back, more songs about the power of radio. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with Jim DeRogatis, and this week we're running down some of our favorite songs about the medium we both love, radio. Next up for me, Jim, is a song that came out in the mid-'80s, a celebration of a couple of things. First of all, it's a love song to a far-off woman, inaccessible in a lot of ways. Her voice is heard only on the radio. It's also a love song to that medium, to the radio that plays her music. The only place you could hear really cool, obscure, underground rock bands in the 80s was left of the dial on those Mm. small community stations, those small college radio stations that were all over America, barely had any bandwidth, you know, 5 watts, 10 watts, some of them only broadcasting a few blocks. But those DJs had no restrictions on what they were playing. As commercial radio was becoming more corporatized, playlists were becoming more beholden to the interests of a few major record companies. You saw all this freedom at these smaller stations, uh, left of the dial, as this song says. It's the replacements, of course, from 1985. Paul Westerberg writing about this elusive woman, writing about the stations that played her music, and saying in the song, what side are you on? (laughs) Mm. You know, it was kind of like a line in the sand. I think a lot of people heard that song, and it was, you know, you were either with us or against us, because the twain shall never meet. These small groups, like the replacements, really didn't get their shot on those bigger stations. They had to be heard left of the dial, or they weren't going to be heard at all. It's the replacements with left of the dial from 1985 on Sound Opinions. The weary boy sat Left of the Dial from The Replacements on Sound Opinions, one of my favorite songs about radio. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, I'm going to stay in the same era again. Absolutely wonderful choice, Left of the Dial by The Replacements. There was a feeling of revolution in the 1980s as college radio 
played this music that seemed like the greatest music in the world, and they were the only ones championing it. I did some college radio uh, down at WPRB in Princeton. I didn't go to Princeton, but I used to crash mm-hmm. the radio station because I had friends there. And and to be able to play the Minutemen and Husker Du and the replacements when no one else was playing them, it, it was a feeling of empowerment. It was a feeling of celebration. And the song that I think encapsulizes that best is, of course, Radio Free Europe by R.E.M. Now, it has often been said <laughs> that Michael Stipe was purely babbling through these lyrics. There are several discernible words that jump out of the mix, and of course there's the title to give us a clue. Mm -hmm. These were the days, this was their debut album, Murmur, which many critics called Mumble. You know, was Stipe actually saying anything? Was it the weird way that he sang and the baritone and the southern accent? Or was he just kind of mumbling, right? You don't know. This is not really a song about the American-funded overseas radio station, Radio Free Europe. I think it's a song about college radio and the power of radio and how they do it is more about the sound of the song than anything else. It's really just this mysterious force and at that point they were such an enigmatic band that they captured it perfectly. The intro of the song, they're shouting through a megaphone Mm -hmm. to get that idea of where we're going to tell you something important, you know, we're going to spread it out. I'm going to play the original version, the Hibtone single, which to this day, uh, this was the self-financed debut single by R.E.M., they claim was the superior version to the one that they later recorded with Mitch Easter that appeared on Murmur. I say, you know, if the house is on fire, one of the three or four things (laughs) I'm going to grab is my copy of the R.E.M. Hibtone single. I think there were 650 pressed on the first time. Here's Radio Free Europe by R.E.M. on Sound Opinions.
Free Europe by R.E.M. Man, I love that song. Mr. Cott, what do you have for us next? Jim, there's a long tradition in rock and roll of, uh, you know, turning on that radio and having a song or a DJ in particular that uh, transforms your life. Think back to Chuck Berry's Roll Over Beethoven. We played the Velvet Underground's Rock and Roll. Her life was saved by rock and roll. The Modern Lover's Roadrunner is in that tradition. Joy Division's Transmission. This song joins that tradition and is one of the best, I think, in that area. It's called Last Night a DJ Saved My Life. Oh, yeah. It is a great one-off song by a group called In Deep. It was later covered, uh, not so well, I might add, decades later by Mariah Carey and many other artists as well. But the original, I think, is still the definitive version. That great rolling bass line and the uh, duet vocals by a couple named Reggie and Rosemary Ramsey. Rosemary is driving around at night, and uh, she's lamenting this boyfriend that is dumping her. And then a song comes on the radio, and it changes her world. Suddenly, things brighten because of that song that's being played at that moment when she most needed it. It's a celebration of the power of radio, the power of a song being played on the radio at a particular moment in your life, and how you will never forget that moment because of that song at that moment being played by that DJ. It's Last Night a DJ Saved My Life by In Deep on Sound Opinions. Last night a DJ saved my life Last night a DJ saved my life yeah. Cause I was sitting there bored to death And in just one breath he said You gotta get up, you gotta get off, you gotta get down, girl You know you drive me crazy, baby You've got to turn into another man Called you on the phone, no one's home Baby, why leave me all alone? And if it wasn't for the music, I don't know what I'd do A DJ Save My Life by In Deep on Sound Opinions. Nice one, Greg. We are talking about the great rock songs about radio. 
you know, you can argue it's a little bit self-serving to write a song about radio if you are a <laughs> rock band that wants to get played on the radio. But I think the great ones succeed as much more than mere gimmickry. You were talking about the message of In Deep's song. Hearing that voice in the night when you're all alone and really connecting. The moment I always connect with the song I'm about to play has nothing to do stylistically. Vince Scalza was this legendary DJ on WNEW-FM in New York, and he happened to be helming the rock station that night when John Lennon was shot. Mm -hmm. And much like Walter Cronkite breaking down in tears when he had to announce the news of President Kennedy's death, Vince Scalza, who who was so moved by this horrible experience that he, he later dropped out of radio for like 10 years. He's back on in New York now. You know, hearing that news from a friend, like he's telling you personally, and he's in tears, and then you're in tears, and you're bonded over this moment. What does that have to do with Donna Summer? I don't know, but I've always associated (laughs) Donna Summer's song on the radio with a moment like that. Mm. People don't think about the depth of her work sometimes, but this song begins with these striking words. Someone found a letter you wrote me on the radio letter on the radio? What is mm-hmm. she talking about, right? It must have fallen out of a hole in your, your overcoat. They never said your name, but I knew just who they meant. That feeling of this music is being played on this radio station and they have nothing to do with me, but they're talking directly to me. This mm-hmm. is about me. How can that be, right? I love this song. Giorgio Morota produced it. It was just Donna Summer and Morota in the studio. An incredible, wonderful example of synth pop and, and the disco beat. Here it is, Donna Summers on the radio on Sound Opinions. So 
That was On the Radio by Donna Summer. Uh, you can always get me going on Donna Summer, Jim. Oh, we need a whole show on her at some I, point. <laughs> way overdue. Way overdue. Absolutely. Now we want to hear from you, our listeners. Call our hotline at 888-859-1800 and leave a message sharing your favorite song about the radio and why. After a short break, we'll share some more of our picks. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis here with my partner Greg Cott, and we are talking about our favorite songs about radio. Man, nothing beats driving on the Massachusetts State Turnpike late at night with the radio on. That, of course, is Roadrunner by the Modern Lovers, one of the best songs ever, period, especially about radio. Greg, you're up next. What's your next pick? Yeah, Jim, we've been uh, celebrating radio primarily here, and uh, I think it's only fair that we uh, show the flip side of it before we turn to some other topics. There's a dark underbelly. Not there on, is. Not on public radio, but there is elsewhere. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons that uh, commercial radio has been in trouble the last few years is addressed in this particular song. It's Public Enemy with a song called How to Kill a Radio Consultant. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it may sound kind of dark and dire. They're not really talking about killing someone, but they are talking about a practice that in their eyes and ears was killing radio. This song came out in the early 90s when a revolution was happening in the inner city in terms of the kind of music that was coming out of it. Hip-hop was exploding. It was becoming the soundtrack of two generations of listeners. And you had major bands like N.W.A., like Public Enemy, artists like Ice-T and Ice Cube who are making important, groundbreaking records that weren't getting played on commercial radio. In fact, commercial radio was representing this spectrum of music by playing artists like Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer and Will Smith in his Fresh Prince guys and saying, this is the music of the inner city. This is about all we're going to touch here. Public Enemy is basically saying, you're listening to these consultants. You're listening to these people who are telling you how to program your station rather than listening to your community, which is telling you it wants to hear this music. In fact, Public Enemy was proven right. When the sound scan numbers finally started coming out, the official data of what people were actually buying in record stores as opposed to the estimates that had been made in prior decades, it was proven that hip-hop records were outselling virtually every other genre. Mm. NWA going to number one was a major moment in the transformation of the Billboard charts and in the transformation of the perception of whether or not commercial radio was really reflecting the interests of its audience. It's all addressed in this brilliant song, a critique of where commercial radio started going wrong in the early 90s, How to Kill a Radio Consultant, by Public Enemy on Sound Opinions. Good to 
public enemy with how to kill a radio consultant on sound opinions, the dark side, the underbelly of radio. Jim, what is your final pick? I'm going to stay with the same sort of dark theme, Greg. Radio-friendly unit shifter (laughs) from In Utero by Nirvana, their final studio album. A lot of Nirvana fans think that Kurt Cobain in this song was railing against corporate radio and the music industry uh, as a whole, you know, MTV and the the corporate record companies, you know, the whole system that had made him a star. It's an angry song. In Utero is, as we've said when we've discussed the album, you know, a famously divided record. Mm -hmm. Half beautiful pop songs and half ferocious in-your-face noise rock. This is one of the noisier songs. I don't quite buy that it's strictly a diatribe against corporate rock radio or modern rock radio, as it was called at the time. Mm -hmm. I think all of Cobain's songs are about Kurt Cobain, you -hmm. know? The, The key lines, what is what I need? What is wrong with me? What do I think I think? The last interview I did with him, which was just a couple of months before his suicide, you know, he was incredibly conflicted. He wanted the whole world to hear his songs. He Mm -hmm. was so proud of them. He wanted to share them with people. He hated looking out, however, and seeing fans out there who who were cheering Polly, a song about a rape. He he didn't like that some people liked his songs who were people he didn't like, you Mm -hmm. know? He was conflicted. I think this is a song about that. Radio makes us conflicted. You know, know, when you hear something on the radio that makes you angry, you want to throw your radio out the window, but it can also save your life. That's the magic of the medium. I think it's a good place to end. Here is Nirvana's radio-friendly unit shifter on Sound Opinions. Radio-friendly unit shifter on sound opinions. That was Nirvana. We're lucky, Greg, to be able to play a song like that on the radio. And that wraps up our discussion of great rock and roll songs about radio.
That is a little bit of F the NRA from the Coat Hangers sixth studio album, The Devil You Know. Now, it's hard not to know where the Atlanta-based punk rock band stands politically if you hear that song. And uh, singer-guitarist Julia Kugel remembers exactly when she was inspired to take that stance in her music. She told our producer Andrew Gill she got hooked on Sonics when a DJ played a song by Gang of Four. My name is Julia, and I play guitar in the coat hangers. Gang of Four, I found that Essence Rare is a song that changed my life. You know, I just graduated high school and I moved to Atlanta and I was going to Georgia State. My mind was getting blown all over the place with the culture and taking women's studies classes. I was thinking about gender inequality, classism, sexism, racism, just everything was different. I grew up, you know, in the suburbs, so here was like so much culture. My mind was getting blown open by like these constructs that I'd been living in and being a part of. And, you know, we had George Bush as president at that point, and we had the Patriot Act, and they could read our things, and, you know, there was just so much fire. Everything about me was about changing, and I was almost angry with myself for having been caught up in it for so long. It was a very powerful time, I think. I was, like, listening to a lot of, you know, rock and roll but like classic rock and a lot of singer-songwriter stuff and pop music was sort of frivolous in my opinion was like oh it's not important you know and so I was at a house party and and I heard the song come on and I was like what is this very dancey but then I heard like H-bomb and like you know like a lot of these like key words and I was like what is this and I ran up to the DJ he was like gang of four I was like gang of four and then it was just kind of like poof like my mind was blown it was like had these sharp guitars and this very dancey beat and then it was talking about something very political very deep I was like yeah I want to make music like that because it wasn't frivolous and it wasn't just dance music it meant something They were thinking about how they were creating. They did the anti-solo, so they would drop out the guitar, they'd drop out the bass. It was also very inspirational. The way that they play guitar was very like jarring and very like straight, pop, 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 pop. And so I was like, I could do that. It was very accessible. I was like, I can do that. I, I couldn't solo. I'm not a guitar center, you know, shredder. So um, I felt like something I could also do. And it's really nice to hear someone do something different and say that it's okay. And it actually also counts as important music. So look a whole lot better for the working classes. Working classes. I found that 
as we became a band, you know, called the Coat Hangers, we're like, oh, what's that about? You know, it's like, you know what it's about. <laughs> um, it's an issue we still have to talk about today, you know. We actually formed um, coming back from D.C. from an anti-Bush rally because we were like, we're going to do something. And it just felt good to be part of a movement. For some reason, if you're on a rise or even half an inch, you can be as crazy as you want. But if you're just on the street corner doing that, they frown upon it. So to be able to speak and scream and and then all of a sudden it became this political thing just that we were doing it my most important lesson i think is the personal is political and so then you live it and it becomes a political statement i'm a huge huge gamer for fan and I'm forever grateful for them having made the music, especially the entertainment record. Thank you. I found that Essence Rare by Gang of Four featuring Andy Gill. No relation to our Andrew Gill. <laughs> Greg, what do we have on the show next week? I love, love, love that song. I know and, you do. Uh, you're, you're a big GOF fan. That's true. And uh, next week we got some more songs we're going to love. Uh, Buried Treasures. Uh, we're going to unearth some records that we think you need to hear, even though they are traveling beneath the mainstream radar. You can download Sound Opinions wherever you get your podcast thingies. Talk to us on our Facebook group. A lot of great discussions there. As always, the show is produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, Iona Contreras, and Andrew Gill. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. New messages. Hey guys, this is Chris from North Carolina. Just heard the uh, Janice show and really, really enjoyed it. Uh, reminded me of stories that my mom used to tell about sneaking out in uh, Austin and Houston to see Janice and Towns play in the late middle late 60s. So I was thinking about who she sounds like today, uh, who she influenced today. And there's a there's a singer here in Raleigh named Reese McHenry that you really do need to hear. And she's got songs that combine Janice and early girl groups and soul, and it's just she's got an amazing sound. I'd recommend her song, Detroit, off of her newest LP. Reese McHenry, really, really, really worth listening to. Hey there, my name is Gail Gand. I live in Riverwoods. 
And when I was in fifth grade, my dad took me and my brother Gary to see Janis Joplin play at the Aragon Ballroom. And I'm not sure how it happened, but somehow we ended up backstage and we ended up in her dressing room. So I got to meet her. So just crazy Janis Joplin story that's <laughs> part of my past. Thanks for the great show. Bye. What don't on me? Hi, my name's Jackie, and I'm actually calling just to say that I am so happy to hear and learn so much about Janice Joplin today, and I'm happy that I'll be able to get out to check out the book. But one of my favorite moments that I always find most appealing is to hear her do the song, Peace of My Heart, by Aretha Franklin's sister. And I've been at the Grammys, I've been all over the world, and I've heard her sing it, and I've, it always stops me in my track. And, just amazing. Thank you. Opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.